Well, Sweets, welcome back. I am excited to to get to share with you again this week. Um, I'm back to answering questions this week. I've got three great questions that I think will relate to a lot of you this week. We're going to be looking at, I feel like a burden when I have needs. I don't want to ask for anything because I feel like I'm a bother or I'm a burden. We also have a question about projecting onto other people this future. And and when I get out of a relationship, it's not just mourning that. How do I, how do I sit in a place where I'm mourning the loss of of not only the relationship I was in, but that future. And, and how do I, what do I do with societal standards that make me feel like there's a time crunch, that I'm getting older and everybody else is getting married and I am not, and I feel that pressure? And the last one, which I've got to tell you is my favorite of the bunch, what is the difference between guarding my heart and, and, and being careful when I'm dating and, and getting all those checked boxes answered, which I'm not a big fan of? And this sweet, what I love about her at the end, she got to a place where dating is fun again. And so we're going to talk about that and more tips and tools on how to make dating fun again. Won't you join me this week? Again, if anybody comes to mind as you are listening, reach out, send it to them. If you think this would encourage someone, give them a tool to try, give them something that would make them hopeful. I would ask that you pass it on to them. As always, if you have a chance to go on rate, review, and subscribe, that allows us to reach more people as we go. Also, just so you know, I've started group sessions, group coaching for people that don't have access or can't afford therapy. And those are once a month. I have one spot left in August and we'll be opening up September soon. Soon. They're on different topics, and you can find that and all of the videos that I have on my stand store. It's in any of my platforms, TikTok, YouTube, or Instagram, and you can find more resources and sign up for my mailing list there. And here you go. Won't you join me today? Well, welcome back, dolls, to um, another episode of So My Mom's a Therapist. You know, I've done a lot of teaching lately. I think the last two episodes have been strictly uh, me just giving you guys tips. So today I want to just go back to answering some questions. Um, I think I'm right now I've got another guest scheduled for next week, and I'm very excited. I, I saw a few of her videos on TikTok and absolutely loved them and asked if she would join me. And as luck would have it, I'm actually traveling to London, and lo and behold, she lives in London, so we're going to try to get together and record while we're there. So I'm really excited about that. But this week, I'm just going back to answering some of your questions. But before I jump in, I had the most lovely interaction this morning that I want to share with you. And I want to share with you the whole interaction, one to kind of model you, model for you some different ways of how to handle those gut feelings inside of ourselves. Um, but also, it's just a good reminder, um, something that I think is really important in life. Okay, total side note, by the way, I'm drinking a drink by Thistle. I'm like obsessed with this company. And this is no, I'm not sponsored by them. But if anybody knows anybody at Thistle, can you like hook this girl up? Because I want to work with them. I like I see their videos and I think I'm always like, I want to be one of the girls. I want to be the girl in the kitchen who's like prepping her meal. I mean, half of them, I think you're supposed to like throw into like a stir fry, stir fry pot. I don't do that. I'm like, fuck the stir fry pot. I just eat the thing right out of the container. It's like warm up. I'm like, I don't need to warm it. It's so good. Like everything they make is amazing. By the way, if you sign up, they give you like $125 off or $120 off of the first like four weeks, or at least that's the one I got. Um, and so they, they take a percentage off of it for, for the weeks and you don't have to sign up for some big meal plan. I mean, I sound like I'm like on their payroll or I get some kind of kickback. I don't, but I would. I mean, just give me some merch. I'm happy. Just give me a drink. I'm just happy with a drink. I'm happy to advocate and promote. <laughs> I just want I just want a free drink, <laughs> um, but I really like them. It's, free drinks aside, if you're looking for a great way to start kind of a reboot 
reboot your, you know, you're halfway through the summer being like, okay, now that it's hot and I don't have as many clothes to cover it up and I'm not feeling super great in my body. It's a great, it has been a great way this last month. I've been doing it just to kind of get a, like a reset on like eating healthy and eating clean. You know, when I first started making TikTok videos about a year ago, I would always, I would comment on a few of the ones that were like vegan. And I'm like, I want to be vegan. I'm like, I want to be vegan, but here's where I get stuck is between me between my office and my house, there's an in and out. And gosh, damn it, if that doesn't get me every single time, I mean, I think I'm good. And then like you have the windows down and then like you get a whiff of that like amazing in and out air that seems to like permeate farther than any other smell. And I'm like done. I'm like, there's no way I could be like plant-based or, or vegan. And then somebody said, no, no, you don't have to be. Like you can actually start just by like having a few days or trying a few days. And I thought, gosh, that's genius. And by the way, it totally matches everything I like teach on and believe in relationships as far as like you can be balanced. It doesn't have to be black or white. It doesn't have to be all in or out, all out of dating. You can date, you can, you can go on the apps for a few days and guess what? You can take a few days off. And yet it seemed, I was not able to see I could apply that to myself. So I have been, I've been getting just like three days of plant-based meals, enough that I don't throw in any, any aware waste it. Um, but when I go out to eat, you know, are there other times I eat like burger and fries? Absolutely. And so far, it's been a really good balance for me. So anyways, if you're looking for an eating healthy eating program, again, no kickbacks I get from this one. This is just like pure like obsessed with this company and I love their food and it makes me feel incredibly spoiled. So check out Thistle or let them know I exist. <laughs> All right. Well, before we jump in, that actually wasn't even my story. I, I wanted to share with you my story before we jump into your questions today. And, and that is how my morning started. Uh, my daughter and I, we we walked down. I just moved to a new city and we walked down to um, the coffee. There's a little downtown. I love when you can walk someplace. It makes me feel like I'm totally old fashioned. I'm like, I get to walk and grab my coffee. It makes me so happy. So anyways, walked into town, grabbed our coffee. We were sitting at a table and there was a bunch of other tables there. And there was this woman who was probably in her late 60s, early 70s, who was sitting in the window at Starbucks and we were sitting outside. And I just, I watched her and I was watching her. I, I need to work. My daughter's like, stop it, mom. You stare at people. Like, stop. I just love people. And I love, obviously, this is my profession. And I, I love people so much. And I just thought she was just stunning. And she was sitting there by herself. And I was wondering, I wonder if anyone even like, you know, if this woman goes throughout her day and nobody even tells her how stunning she is. And she was stunning. She had she, she had her hair pulled back and she had her beautiful like one shoulder like casual dress on. And she was sitting there just kind of taking in life. Anyways, she came out. And the minute she came out, she started chatting it up. Oh, hello, John over here. How you doing to this table over here? She makes her way over to my daughter and I and she's like, well, who do we have here? And I was like, oh, this is not about me blessing you. This is about you coming up and just being a ray of sunshine in our life. And she's like, what's your dog's name? And we were chatting. And I said, well, we moved here not too long ago. And she's like, well, I'm Carolyn. And I said to her, I said, Carolyn, I said, I have to tell you something. I said, I saw you in the window and I just thought you were just gorgeous. And she lit up. I mean, she was. She was super. She was just stunning. And and she's like, oh, I love hearing that. Thank you so much. And she sat and she she's like, is this not a beautiful day or what? Are we lucky to be in this town? And so she ended up chatting it up with us. And then that little ray of sunshine moved on to the next table. And my daughter turns to me and she's like, I only could hope 
that I get to go through life like Carolyn goes through life because you know it's so enjoyable in her life. And I was like, I know. I feel like there was little like rays of sunshine like like coming out of her eyes. Like the woman oozed, like oozed just joy. Like she was just moving through life like that. And she wasn't moving fast. She wasn't like getting, she wasn't like moving busy, busy, busy. She was taking her time strolling along. And I said to my daughter, I said, you know, the crazy thing about that, I says, none of what she's doing is related to money or what she has. And I said, and, and, and not to say there isn't an element of saying, yeah, money, it can be very stressful, right? And I understand that. But there, I said, the other thing is that mindset that she has that is purely inside of her body. That is purely between her ears. That is literally something that lives inside of her. That because of the way she has framed life and her perspective of life, she is walking through life like it is a treat to be here. Right now, I know. I know a lot of times we have hard things that happen, and I'm not minimizing that because it, it can be very easy to listen to that and be like, "Yeah, but I, you, you won't believe what hard things I have." And I leave so much space for hard things. And hard moments. And and if you've seen my videos, you know I'm I'm kinda had a rough rough year or two. So I get that. I get that. And at the same time, I'm wondering if we can also say I'm not gonna di- I'm not discounting my hardships. I'm not discounting what's happened to me. And at the same time, I'm not sure how to get there. But if that's possible for me and that's something I can cultivate and build or work towards inside of myself is going through life as if there is sun oozing out and I have something something to be thankful for and grateful for. I got to tell you, she walked away and my daughter and I were like, we want to be more like Carolyn. I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to get there, but I want to be more like that because that's a pleasant body to be in and that's a pleasant life to be in. And by the way, the body she was in was quite larger and the body she was in was quite older and yet she acted like she was just like the like the luckiest girl in the world to be moving through her life and i was like i, I want to get there i don't we we've been, we we talked about her all morning <laughs> i'm like i want to be her friend <laughs> my daughter's like no i saw her first <laughs> something to think away th- take away something to think about as we start our time together all right well, are you guys ready to dive in and get into the first question here we go. And this comes from Alyssa. I don't know if you want to add this to your podcast too, but I want to chat with you I about do. like basically um, in a nutshell, I just got out of a breakup and I've been struggling with like the projected future I put on this. I've been listening to your podcast about projecting futures on someone and like letting it affect my self-worth and my insecurities after the breakup because this person broke up with me. Um, just, you know, being in my late twenties, seeing everyone get married, have kids, and just like the societal pressures of like feeling like you have to meet some sort of milestone, how to like cope with not feeling the pressure of that and like that I'm running out of time and also dealing like a lot of tools you can deal with, um, breakup recovery, um, as far as like someone leaving me because they basically said they couldn't be. I am so thankful that you, Alyssa, that you sent in that message because I think there's a lot of people that can relate to that. And whether it's in your in your late 20s or late 30s or, or at any point, late 40s or feelings, a sense of, of missing out and all of a sudden there's a clock or a time 
And that's that's hard. That is a hard feeling to have. And that idea of projection. Let me real quickly explain to you what she's talking about. In previous videos and podcasts that I've done, I address this thought that says we will off when we meet somebody or we're dating somebody, we will project a future onto them, right? So when they when it doesn't work out, it is not just losing the relationship we were in. It is also a loss of a future that we had dreamed about with that person, like where are we going to live and our babies and what they would look like and what our life together would look like. So it is a loss of this much future life, which is why I'm always encouraging people to to mourn that loss. Or even if they're like, well, like they will beat themselves up because the relationship was only like a month or six months or a year long. And I say, no, 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 go easy on yourself. You need to treat it as if you're mourning a whole life because you were dreaming of a whole life. So it's not the loss of the relationship just right now. It is. But in addition to that, it's also the loss of all of those dreams that you imagined with the person. This is one of the reasons why divorce, for one reason among many, is so incredibly painful. If, if I had to make a note, divorce is can be is tragic, and it can be heartbreaking. And and the fact that so it happens so often in our country concerns me. Not the fact that it happens so often in our country, but that it is uh, it's very flippant now. A divorce is not a big deal now. Or if you hear of somebody's parents going through a divorce, or you someone says they've gone through a divorce, and we do not treat it as if it's a death. If somebody's spouse dies, we are just like, oh my gosh, that's such a big thing. That's such a traumatic thing. But if somebody gets divorced, we forget that is just as traumatic. That is just as traumatic, sometimes even more traumatic because it's not like they're they're dead and I can mourn them. And although that that is horrific and I'm not minimizing that, they're still up and walking around. And yet this was the person that you loved, that you stood there and that you had married, hoping you would spend your life with. And that is not happening. So if you are somebody who has had a divorce or going through a divorce or in the process of that, or if you have a friend, I am telling you right now, that is an extremely traumatic experience. And we need to treat it as such, as if it is a death. <coughs> but let's talk real quick about the societal standards you know, I think it's always so fascinating because if you were born in a different part of the country, that would look very different, right? When I've done work in India, the societal standards on marrying there look very different, you know, or the times I've been in, in, in Africa as well, that's different even than India and it's different than the United States. And so they're different based on culture, based on different socioeconomic levels, right? Even you were, if you were to live at a different, a different time in history, if you were to live in the 1950s, that would look very different. If you were to live in the 1800s, again, that would look very different. So we want to be able to realize just because this is where I'm at right now, and this is what that looks like around me, those societal standards, one, I don't act like they're not there. But my first question to you would be, where are your eyes? Are, are your eyes on your own life? Or are your eyes on your life around you? It's one of the reasons why, like, personally, I am not, I haven't been for years on Facebook or Instagram, because, because all of a sudden, I thought, my eyes are on everybody's life, and I'm feeling like crap. If I'm feeling crappy and these apps are supposed to make my life feel better, yet I always feel worse or it just like reminds me of what I'm missing out on, then why in the world do I keep putting myself in a position that doesn't make me feel any better? And so we want to be aware of what am I taking in around me? What is those messages around me that remind me of another friend getting engaged or this friend's having a baby? Now, I'm not saying we don't want, we, we can't be happy for our friends. Being happy for your friends and being sad and mourning or angry or jealous, those things can coexist. I'm going to say that again because it's super important. That does not take away from how much you enjoy your friend, are excited for your friend, happy for their experience. That can exist. And at the same time, I can have this part of me that I want to tend to, that we tend to and hold and validate to say, yeah, this is sucks. I'm so insanely jealous of her 
maybe not of the person she's with, but insanely that she gets to the idea of getting married, the idea of finding her person, the idea of settling down and, and being able to hold myself and say, yes, I get it. I get it. No wonder. I would love to share my life with somebody. And that's so hard to see. So one does not override the other. But I want to encourage you again to go back to this idea to say, where are your eyes at? I can be happy for my friends, but then I'd come back and I put on my blinders, right? If you've ever watched a horse race, horse races, if you look at horse races, the horses have blinders on. Not that I can say I'm, I'm a pro on horses or that I've seen a lot of horse races, but I've seen enough to know that they have a lot of them have blinders on. And those blinders on are so that they don't get distracted by any of the stimulus noises or other horses around them. Why? Because their goal is to stay in their lane and run their best, their best race possible. Dolls, that is our goal in life too, is to stay in our lane, put our blinders on and run our best life possible. That does not mean that we do not look at people around us, but how much time are we spending looking at people around us? Around us, We want to pop our head out, look quickly, and then come back down to our own life. I'm going to do it again. That's about how long it should be. I pop my head up, I, see, I, I look at friends, I look at their life, and then I come back down. It's so brief so that the majority of my time is spent with my blinders on only looking at my life. Why? Why is that important? Because nobody has your DNA. Nobody has your wiring. Nobody grew up in the family you grew up in and had all the experiences that you had. So therefore, it is like our bodies are like a Las Vegas slot machine. You have all these different factors, which makes us so unique and so customized. And we want to keep saying, yes, I recognize this. Yes, this is hard. We don't, we don't discount it. We don't minimize it. I know it's hard to be at this point and not have a partner, right? And now keep in mind too, that's, ma that's macro. That's a macro thought. That's a summary. When I feel like time is running out, that means that I'm looking at something or a statement I cannot change in this moment. I'm like feeling like time's running out. I'm getting, I'm almost 30 and I still haven't met my partner yet. You cannot change that in this moment. Can I hand you that husband or wife in this moment? Can I? Can I come up to you and say, oh, doll, I just solved your problem. You're all good. Here he is, wrapped up nice and cute, extra like really good abs too. Here you go, here, here he is. You know, we cannot get it in this moment. So we want to get out of the macro and we want to zoom into the micro and say, I, first of all, and say, I know this sucks. I know this is hard. I know this, is, but if I put a time pressure on it, all it's going to do is stress me out and I can't change it in this moment. And, and then I need to zoom in. I need to zoom in and get very, very micro and say, what is one thing I can do today? What is one thing I can do today? Get into an action step. Anxiety needs something to do. I remember my friend Keith said that. He's a therapist in New York. And I, he said, you know, anxiety needs something to do. This is what we do when we get together. What do we do? We talk about, <laughs> we still talk about psychology. <laughs> I was visiting him like a year ago and that's like all we talked about was psychology. <laughs> Relationships, people, why we do what we do. What do we need in life, right? So he's like, you know, all anxiety needs, anxiety needs something to do. So if it's big picture, I can't change the big picture, well, but I need to be able to feel like I can do something. So zoom in. What is one thing I can do? I see myself getting on an app. I see myself talking to a stranger in real life that I have control over. What pieces do I have control over? Am I joining a group tennis lesson? Did I find a fun speed dating and bring a friend with me? I don't even care if the friend isn't single. Like be like, you're my wing, you're my wing man. You're my wing person. And we're going to go do speed dating because even if I meet nobody, it's going to be a funny ass story that we're going to tell our friends and they will all be laughing about it, right? What can I do? What can I do that is something that is in my control or in my power? So zoom in, get micro and get small. And then we want to be able to come in again, like I was saying before, and customize our path. So it is uniquely me, uniquely me, right? So I want you to hold those together. I know it's not easy. I know this is not an easy one, 
right? But when we get too in our head and we get too into the big thoughts or what I'm missing out on or where I should be in life, those are standards. That's a standard we've set for ourselves, And then we're realizing that we are below the standard. You know, even if you were to say, it, the more we have standards in life, like I should be married by this age. I should have a family by this age. I should be this far in my career by this age. And I'm always like, who told us that? And what, what is our body doing there? Let me explain psychologically what's going on in your brain and body. It picks up all these cues from around you and it's got, it gathers all the data, 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 all the, ga- all the data gets da- gathered in and so that your body can make a decision. Are we on track? What is your body trying to do? It's trying to help you, but it's trying to help you by saying you need to be able to hit these marks so that you do not get behind. Again, our brain is not trying to hurt us. It's trying to help you, but we want to come in and say, thank you, brain. Thank you. I know you are trying. Thank you, body. You are trying so hard to keep me in a place so that I don't get hurt. But how about we go about this a little bit different? We got to create a path that is customized for ourselves. Yes, I will pop my head up every now and then, but every nobody has my unique my unique DNA who has my unique experiences, right? So how do I build a life around me that is unique to me? So what I would encourage you to do, this is not a popular opinion, but I would take out a lot of the data that our brain can get from around us. Why? Because if you're not looking at Instagram all the time, you don't see all the cute dates that you're not going on. If you're not on Snapchat all the time, then you're not seeing all the cute things that somebody's boyfriend is doing for them and cuddling up next to them and how lucky they are. You're getting a snapshot, not a full picture. And then you are basing your standard off a series of Snapchat, of, of snapshots of people's life that creates an ideal and not a reality. Why? Because relationships are a whole circle. Parts their strengths and weaknesses. Each individual is a whole circle. Each person has their strengths and each person has their weaknesses. And I don't care how amazing that spouse looks, he still has his weaknesses too. Right? We're not saying we we're not minimizing and saying we don't want it. We can say absolutely I want to share my life with somebody and at the same time, how do I build in a life that I like now? What do I see myself to do now to take action steps? But I want to build a whole life now so that I'm not putting my life on hold till I meet that partner, right? So my question would be, okay, so you did find that partner. Yeah, what would change? Yes, you'd have someone to do something with. Maybe financially it'd be easier. We don't discount any of that. But what about our happiness? What about our happiness? If our happiness is contingent on that other person, then even when they come into our life, it gives them all of that, all of that stays external to us. I want to be able to build a life that I enjoy, things that I love, building out my portfolio so that whether they're in my life or not, I am still okay. I still desire a partner, but I still have a pretty damn good life, right? Again, we're, I want to be Carolyn where I'm like, I'm like, I swear, I don't even think she was walking. I think she was floating. She just like floated by. She floated by. I don't know if she's got a partner or not. I don't know what tragedy she's faced or not in her life or not. But all I know is there were some beautiful things built into her life. How do we be more like that? Okay. But I hope that helps. All right, here we go. Now, my question is, how do I let my partner help me without feeling like I'm bothering him? Okay, so it's a brief one and it's pretty vague, but let's see if we can get in there. This idea of being a bother to somebody, and I know that is very common, where people will feel like, I don't want to ask for help because I don't want to bother somebody, right? Or I don't want to I don't want to tell somebody I need something because then I feel like, like I'm too much or I'm bothersome. Whenever we feel like that we are a bother to somebody, and this can go in friendships, romantic relationships, family relationships, but I would always encourage people to go back to this route to say, where did we learn where did we learn that being that asking for help was a bother? And where do can we can we track it back? If you were to float back through your childhood, and I'm going to have you do that right now, 
if you're with me right now, I'm going to pause for a second, float back over. If that's you and you've often felt like you were a bother when you needed something, that you were bothersome, and I don't want to bother anybody, I don't want to burden anybody, those words burden or bother, I'm going to have you track back over your childhood and say, well, hold on a second, where, where, when did we first believe or make that determination that asking for help or needing something was a burden. I'm going to pause for a second, see if anything comes to mind. And if not, that's okay. But see if there's any key memory or moment you remember having that thought. And now I want you to, to float back again and say, okay, if you found one, is there one even earlier than that? What is our earliest memory of making that determination? Because usually all the other ones will be like dominoes or triggers from that earliest one. And again, if you don't have that and nothing comes to mind, that's okay. But that's where we start is to say, well, where, where did we create that belief about ourselves?" And again, I'm just going to give you a moment. Because somewhere along the way, when I hear those, I hear a, an irrational belief that we determined about ourselves. When we grow up as children without realizing it, based on the world around us, based on how the world interacts with us, around us, especially those key figures, parents, siblings, teachers, anyone that was instrumental or significant in your life in the, during those younger years, we use those as objects. This is called objects relation theory. We use those objects almost as like to bounce off of us, to mirror for us who we are, our worth, how we fit into this world around us, whether the world is safe or not safe. And somewhere along the way, based on those objects and how we perceived them and the world around us, we determined to ask for a need was a was a burden was a burden or a bother, and sometimes it cannot even be between us and another person. Sometimes maybe it's seeing a parent's reaction to a sibling, or a parents talk about another kid in another family. Sometimes it's it's removed, and yet there, our body made this, our brain made this determination. Right, And what can often happen, a lot of the work that I do with clients is going back and challenging these negative, irrational beliefs we, de we determine about ourselves. I love using a technique called EMDR. If you have experienced any high level or significant amount of trauma, it is a fantastic tool. But it is a particular tool that I use to go in and it reworks some of those negative, irrational beliefs. What are some of those beliefs and what they can, what can they sound like? It can be... I'm a burden. It's I'm a bother. Something's wrong with me. I'm not lovable. I have no value. I feel worthless, right? I'm not safe. So those are all beliefs that somewhere along the way we can, because of an experience, all of a sudden determine. It's not a conscious toy choice. We didn't sit there and all of a sudden be like, yeah, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to I yeah, I think I'm going to be a burden today. It doesn't work like that. It's just something as a child our brain determines and then it's subconsciously it just makes that determination and then we base our whole life after it going forward and it's all based on that one thing. I can remember right now when my most significant irrational belief developed. I was in 6th grade, grew up with the same group of kids and a new girl, Monica came to our school, and probably because I was the most loud, shocker, and the most chatty, right? She decided out of the whole group um, that, that I was not allowed to hang out with the group anymore. I had no reason, I had no understanding why. I was in sixth grade, and all the girls that I grew up with, um, all of a sudden, I was not allowed to hang out with them. 
And so I spent that year roaming the grass and the field by myself and another sweet girl, Tracy, who befriended me. But I made the determination that year that something was wrong with me. And that was the year I turned on myself and I absolutely developed a relationship of hating myself, hating the way I looked, hating who I was based on an experience. I wasn't even aware of what was going on at the time. And it was really interesting because one of those girls, I stayed, I, I, I went to a different high school, different junior high, different high school. And we, we, we reconnected one of those childhood friends in that group, not the new girl, but another girl that I'd grown up with. We reconnected my senior year of high school. And I remember her saying to me, and she was crying. I still remember this. Ooh, isn't it funny? I can still feel it in my body. And she said to me, you know, I'm so sorry that I, I did not stick up for you. And she said, um, you know, and she said, I'm, I'm sorry because you didn't do anything. And I remember thinking like, really now, like fucking like five years later, like it would have been helpful to know back then, you know, because at that point I had no, my little body had no idea. And, but, but she said, we were just all so scared to death that she would point to us that we were all scared and we didn't say anything. And I was like, wow, wow, right? And then all the damage had already been done, the, the self-hatred, the self-harm that I had already done on myself, the eating issues, you know, all of that that had to be reworked and, and, and you know, again, my own journey of healing, which now I'm grateful for because I think it makes me a, a much better therapist because I have so much compassion for, for people that turn on themselves, right, rather than being a best friend in themselves. And of course, side note, when I did, when I had, when I had two girls of my own, the first thing I was like, okay, we, we are going to be best friends. How do we like, and I love the fact that both of my girls think they have rocking bodies and they feel comfortable in my skin. And I'm like, oh, like, I love it. I love seeing it. Cause it was like one of my missions being a mama was that they would be okay with their bodies, that they would be a friend of themselves and not turn on themselves like I had at a young age. Right. So that's the idea. So when we start to feel that we are a burden or bothersome just because we we want to ask something or we have a need. I would challenge that to say, wait, who told us that? Who who told where did we determine that? And what about what if it's flipped? If somebody asks you or they have a need and you help them, do you feel they're a burden? Do you feel like they're a bother? And, and oftentimes they'll be like, well, no, 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 actually I love doing that for them. Well, what it, why is it different than you for you? Right? Where did we determine that along the way? And we talk about what it means to be a friend. Right. Actually, the part of the definition, the pure meaning of a friend is to show up for one another. Right. And is there healthy needs and unhealthy needs? Can I can I have needs and can I have unhealthy needs? And and what is for me to tend to and what is for somebody else to tend to in a friendship or relationship? So we talk through what does it mean to have healthy needs and unhealthy needs? Why do I bring that up? Because one of the things I noticed in relationships, I'll often have most of the time male, but it can be both, who is like Oh my, my, you know, I'm having a hard time with my girlfriend or my wife right now. I mean, it's just like, I mean, they're just really tough and they're a lot, but I can't tell them they're a lot because they told me their biggest trigger is that they're too much and they feel like they're too much for somebody. So I can't tell them they're too much because like that's their biggest wound. And I said, well, hold on here a second. Yes, most likely that could be their, again, a negative irrational belief that is for them, for them to work on. However, however, what I've also noticed that oftentimes we can use some of our belief system in order to make our life work for us. Because here's the challenge. If you have a partner who has said my biggest wound or trigger is I've been told in the past that I'm too much. And now you're the new partner and you're like, oh, yay, my job is to prove to them that they're not too much. And yet now all of a sudden, what does that give them? 
Basically, when somebody says my biggest fear is that I'm too much, then basically I have freedom to do whatever I want. And you can't tell me I'm too much, even if I am too much, because, oh my gosh, you might devastate me and I will be so upset. So now I've given myself to be absolutely unmanaged, not regulate my emotions, not over, not be, not overreact. I, I'm allowed to overreact. I'm allowed to have big emotions and I don't have to manage any of those because you can't tell me I'm too much. See what happens there? So we want to be able to say, okay, even if I do have this belief that says I am too much, that is still mine to work on because I do need to be able to manage my reactions, that things are choices and not impulses, right? That I manage how my body get bumps out of its zone, right? And manage my emotions and put reins on my emotions because it can be a lot and because there's no reins on it. Right? So that, again, is our journey to work on. If you feel like you are too much, well, again, we want to track it back. We want to challenge that and be like, who told us that? And then we also want to get to work to say, okay, and what can I do to manage my emotions and manage my reactions so that whether someone else thinks I'm too much or not, I like the way I'm managing my body, not using that as a way of not having to do anything and nobody can say anything. Okay, something to think about. But when it comes to you, sweets, again, I want to go back. I know I keep circling it back to this idea of feeling like a burden. Part of, of a relationship is needing somebody. Part of a relationship. And by the way, if you do not let anybody fill a need or you do not ask for anything from somebody, you are taking away their value in the relationship. I'm going to say that again because it's so important. If you do not let, if you are so self-sufficient and I don't, I don't need anything from you, I can do it all on my own. I do not need you right? Then you are actually taking away their value in a relationship of feeling wanted and needed. I just actually had a conversation on an interview I did last week on this. You can be completely self, you can be empowered, you can support yourself, you can be this independent male or female, and you can also say, and I I would like help. I want help. I don't want to do this on my own. Or I need you and that's okay. It doesn't mean that I'm not solidly standing on my own two feet, And it feels good to feel valued in a relationship. It feels good to be wanted in a relationship. And it feels good to be needed in a relationship because then you feel like I add value. I love this person and I want to be able to show up and make their life better. And if you do not let them do that, you're taking it away from them. Remember? I still remember, side note, and my mom, my dad, when he was alive, was really generous. He was so generous. That was one of my favorite things about him is he just was generous. He just was generous. You know, he's like, you can't take it with you. And he was just so generous with what he had. And I remember my mom being like, oh, like I'm trying to hide all the catalogs from your dad. And, you know, and like, oh, I'm just trying to tell him to like cut down on like what he's doing. And I said, you know, hold on here, mom. I said, when you do that, though, I said, you're taking away his, his, the way he shows love and everybody's different right? And you're taking that away from him. And I said, when he does it, what does that do to him? And she's like, oh, it gets, he gets so excited. He gets so excited to watch the grandkids open up these things that I know they'll never wear. And I said, yeah, but it's not about that. It is about what it gives him. Don't take that away from him, right? Don't take that away from him. And so we, we kind of were reframing it. That's what happens when your daughter is a, a therapist. <laughs> it's got its perks and it's got its downside. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the conflicts I've gotten in with my mom, she'll be like, oh, you're just, your mind works so fast and you think about things so psychologically. I can't keep up with you. <laughs> it can be used for good or it can be used for evil. <laughs> um, 
But my point being is recognizing it's okay. It's okay to say I have needs. It's okay to say I have wants. And that doesn't make me a needy person. And it doesn't mean I'm solidly standing on my own two feet. So how do you know what a healthy need is or a healthy balance is? And part of it, you've heard me, I haven't mentioned this in a while, so I'm happy to bring it back, is this analogy of a cupcake. Is there's part of our needs, that cake part that is for us to tend to. And usually those are often needs that were not met in childhood or left over from childhood. And that cake is for us to tend to. So that our partner is the icing on the cake. So whether the icing's there or not, we still have a pretty damn good cake. Now, where I run into a little bit of problem with this analogy is I'm really an icing person. Often I just ditch the cake, I leave the cake on the plate, and I just eat all the icing. Do I have any other icing people? I mean, I'm not talking about any like sticky, yucky icing. I'm talking about like a really good buttercream that is just like, mm, like melts in your mouth, full butter, no Crisco shit, just like really good icing. Side note, I'm a total icing person. Are you a cake person or icing person or neither? But the point being to the analogy is that this, the cake is for me to tend to. And oftentimes, if it's left over from childhood, we are trying to get our partner to fill our cake or we won't let them touch it all together. No, none of this is for you. It's fully for me. And I'm not even putting an icing. And I'm saying, you're missing the icing. You're missing the sprinkles. You're missing the good part that adds just a little bit more of a to your cake, to your dessert, to your, to your deliciousness in life. Right. So we want to be able to separate out and say, okay, what part's the cake? What part is I think some wounds left over as far as am I? And that has to do with identity, value, worth. Am I lovable? Those are all for you. Those are all for you to tend to. That is cake. So that whether the icing's there or not, it does not touch my identity. It does not touch my worth and it does not touch my safety. Identity and safety. Those two things, identity and safety. Those are for me to tend to right? But what can I get from my partner that just adds a little bit more to my cake, adds a little bit more, some little sprinkles on top or a nice little, you know, maraschino cherry maybe, right? So how do I add that? And how do I figure out, by the way, what is for me and what is for them? We do not want to hand them our whole cake because then our value and our worth goes with it. So if we're good, our value and worth is good. And if our relationship's not good, we've lost our sense of value and worth and feeling lovable. Uh, We want that to stay in-house, so that is not something that roller coasters, that is something that's constant. Ooh, did you hear that? We want those to stay in-house, in our body, up to us, because we don't want those to be a roller coaster. If not, that's exhausting. And then we have to work so hard to maintain whatever that relationship is. I can't lose that relationship. Why? Because if I lose that relationship, then my value and my worth goes with it. Okay. So again, we want to go back to say like, oh, okay, how do I challenge some of those thoughts? How can I have healthy needs and healthy wants? What is for me to tend to and what is for them? Okay, let's get to our last question today. I finished your podcast episode on checkbox questions when it comes to dating, and I have a question. How do you know the difference between a checkbox question and a guarding your heart scenario? So I've recently resumed going on dates after a year of not going on dates after a post-breakup. I took the time the past year, and I feel great. I'm finally at the point where I'm excited to go on dates, and I actually am having a lot of fun. So... I went on a date with a particular guy and we were planning for a second date um, when he brought up the question of what are you looking for? I was hoping we would just skip this question. However, I answered it honestly. And I said, this is the first date, you know, I've gone on in the past year um, and, and I'm just trying to put myself back into the dating scene. 
However, I do desire a relationship in my life. However, that's not with just any guy. I'm not trying to lock down just any guy. Over time of getting to know someone, we'll, you know, we'll see if we're a good fit and we flourish. I love that response. His response was um, he's casually dating and he's not ready for a current relationship in his life. So if he would have just said... I'm just casually dating. I feel like I would have been more inclined to get to know him. However, because he said, I'm not ready for a current relationship in my life, in my mind, I was like, why would I even continue pursuing this in any manner? You know, why would I even continue doing that? Because I know in a previous podcast episode as well, you had mentioned how I'm not ready for a relationship are words you we should actually take in. And, and I know I've heard those words before and those wrote those words took me down a road of hurt, pain, and I ultimately had to leave the situation. So is that a scenario of guarding my heart or looking for a checkbox question? I think it's more of a guarding my heart because if I was looking for checkbox scenarios, I would be looking for someone on the first day to tell me if they want a relationship. And I didn't even bring up that question. I wasn't solely going on a date hoping that someone would be in a relationship with me. I'm going on a date to get to know someone and ultimately over time I will decide how I view them in my life, what we want. So appreciate your response nonetheless. I do think it's more regarding my heart, but I would love to hear your perspective. Oh my gosh. Do we just like love her energy? I just, I, I almost am like, girl, I want to come sit and have coffee with you. I just love her energy. I love her excitement. Did you hear her say that dating is fun again? That is so important. That is one of those reasons, you know, I just did a, I just did my July, my first July coaching training. It was three hours. I know a lot of people don't have access to a therapist. I know a lot of people can't afford therapy. So I have a group that's once a month. It's limited to 10 people. Um, and I do two hours of training and then an hour of just answering your questions. And this was one of the things that that came up was this like, how do we make dating fun again? By the way, if you are interested, check out under the stand store and any of my platforms, you can go into my stand store. I believe there's one spot left in August. Um, and we're opening up, uh, we'll start opening up the September ones soon. Um, but this is exactly one of the things I was saying is how do we sift through our dates so that they are more enjoyable again? And I love, first of all, and you said something else that was so important there. You said, he asked me this question. I wasn't going to ask what you, the question what you're looking for, but he asked the question and you gave the response and then you stopped and you said, I loved my, my response. We need to do that more often. That right there, dolls, is incredibly key. Why? Because you spend more time with your thoughts in your life than anybody else. Can you pause and appreciate that you like how you respond to something, how you like you handled something, not just in a dating relationship, but also at home? If you handle something so good with your kids or your dad or your mom, and you're like, can you pause and say, I really like how I handled that situation? Why is that so important? Because you don't have control over their response. You don't have control. You don't communicate with somebody in order to get them to change or to have a certain response. I don't have control over that. But what I do have control over is saying, ooh, Girl, I love how I handled this. So I love sweets. I love how you paused and were like, I, I loved my answer to his question. I love that it had a balance. It's like, I'm not in a hurry. Yes, I'd love to, to see where it goes and develop something and to get into something that grows into something and flourishing, right? And then he came in and he said, oh, 
I'm only looking to casually date. Now, this is a really good question because I am a big fan. I very much advocate for do not ask a lot of loaded questions up front. This can be, this is right here is one of the reasons people will say, no, no, I have to ask those questions up front. And, and in your case, you're saying, what's the difference between guarding my heart and checked boxes? Okay. So if somebody's saying to you, well, if he hadn't asked that, let's so for a moment, let's for a moment imagine he hadn't asked that question. You guys had an awesome date right? Let's say you go out again. To me, there's not really a point in asking that question if you did not enjoy their company. If it was a super good vibe and you were like, okay, this is really fun and I want to see them again. And if you've hung out a couple of times, I'm not going to give you an exact number because you guys all get so tied to these exact numbers. Whenever somebody, when you're, if you're looking for exact numbers, what you're really looking for is a recipe. Give me something exact so I know what to do. I need to know what to do. And usually those are my A students. What do I mean by that? It's all you that were straight A students, like just tell me what to do so I know how to do the assignment and get an A on it. Sweets, it does not work this way because it's each person's individual and you will end up more resentful and jaded if I give you a, a list of do this, this, and this, and then you don't get the outcome you want. So we got to stay in the uncomfortable and we got to figure this out as we go. And that's what we're doing here. So if let's for a, mom, a moment imagine he didn't ask this question. Let's for a moment imagine you walked away from that date and was like, that was so fun. I would love to hang out and see this person again. I can still guard my heart at that moment because I don't know them and they're still a stranger. They're still a stranger. Now let's say we've now invested a date or two or a few dates with the person and I really enjoy who they are. We're now, I'm actually interested in seeing like, do we want to clear the pond and the two of us date? Now, does that feel like a more reasonable question there to ask? Yes. Would I say that's a waste of your time? Not really. Not if you had a good time and those were great dates and it was an enjoyable human being. And if they came in and said, oh no, I'm really just looking to casually date, I'd almost kind of want to come to the side here, stick with me. Stick with me here. I'd almost want to come to this side and be like, okay, so I probably not a fit for us because that's not what I'm looking for. But as a human being, human being whose company I'm enjoying, I would, I mean, maybe this is because like I love psychology and love everything. Like, and I'd be like, huh. And I'd pick up my little drink and swirl it. And I'd be like, that's so fascinating to me. So help me understand. I love that phrase. Help me understand how you would think that was, that's going to go. So what are you hoping to get? Like, so you mean you, you want to casually date somebody and then how does that go? Like, so you, and I'm like, I'm not trying to change you. This is just so interesting to me. So casually meet, date mean like you have fun with them, you sleep with them, but you're not really looking for a relationship. So is that, is casually dating like a nice way of just saying you want like a hookup or a situationship? Is that what we got going on there? Not judging, no judgment, but just like, okay, I appreciate you putting it up front, right? And then again, how could you guard your heart? If this is somebody you enjoy their company, them being able to say like, hey, I'm interested in like getting off the apps and just seeing where it goes, the two of us. And and again, at that point, is that reasonable to ask a question like, you know, I, you know, what are your intentions? Or are you looking, you know, maybe not lot not loaded. I stay away from loaded questions, but like, hey, what is it you're looking for? Yeah, it's never not about asking any checked box questions. What that in that podcast when when I was talking about the checked boxes, which I'm still a fan of not asking checked box questions on the first date. Why was I why do I go about it that way? Because it's no one ever asks one checked box, by the way. I mean, y'all think you do. 
but we don't. We don't. We have a whole list going. And by the way, even if we haven't asked the question, we're gathering their data, filling in boxes. That was a box. That's not a box. That's a box. That's not a box. And based on that, what I'm trying to get away from is us creating a fantasy image of a person on date one that does not exist. By the way, if you ask that guarded heart question on date one, what are you looking for? And they're saying, oh, no, I really would love to get in a relationship or I'm, oh, I'm open to it. And they tell you about a last relationship. That doesn't that means jack shit to me. That means jack shit. Why? Because anybody can say that up front. What you want to see if their actions match and are congruent with those words. And often they're not. And we fall for this image of this person we've created off of those check boxes that does not exist. So that's what I'm wanting to stay away from. I love your wording. And I would say yes. Yes, I want to be able to guard my heart as I go. So yes, can I ask questions as I go? But if I do not enjoy their company, and I'm not having a good time, I don't really care what their intentions or what they're looking for are. I don't really care what you're looking for. If I don't have fun with you, and I wouldn't be interested in hanging out with you again, maybe another time or two. Right now, would it be important? Let's say they are wanting to sleep with you or it's going that way and you can tell it's going that way. Would that be important to stop there for a moment? That would be a guarded, that would be a guarded heart place is to say, wait, hold on. Before this gets physical, because once I get physical, I get all googly eyed. Like, yeah, what is it? What is it that you're actually looking for? I mean, I'm not, it's not loaded, but I kind of want to make sure we're kind of both interested in the same thing. Right. But notice too, by the way, this was very interesting. I'm just curious right? I'm, I'm, I hate making things guy girls, but we're going to go there for a second, girls. If we do not make in, in heterosexual relationships, if you're not the one asking questions, like like this sweet doll didn't ask the question, I'm wondering if they do. I wonder if they'll ask the questions when we don't. I mean, that's kind of interesting. I think kind of it maybe with in general, I hate making generalizations. I hate summaries. I hate, in, I like individuals. I live in individuals. I'm just wondering if if we'd have more experiences of people asking us the question if we weren't always asking them so quickly and so upfront. I don't know. That's an experiment. That's an experiment, just something to think about. Okay, I love where you're going. I love where you're headed, sweets. Keep going. I want you to, if you are in a place where dating is not fun, I want you to use this as your hope that dating can be fun. Sift through it a lot. What do I mean by sift? If you're on dating apps, there's a lot of fish in those sea. I said that to the girls I did the training with this weekend. I was like, the fish in those seas, some of those fish, they have not seen the light of day. They, they're, they're like the bottom feeders. I'm not saying that as far as value. All human beings have value. I'm just saying there's some people on the app that you're like, oh my goodness, like, wow. Like we, I mean, like they're just surfacing, right? Because there's everything in the sea. You got your strong fish. You got your sharks. You got your pretty fish, right? You got the ones on the bottom. You have the eels, right? So you have all of those in the sea. So we have to sift very selectively. And you got to be able to say, am, am I, I, I need to sift and I need to sift in a way so that I'm getting a good night. I'm getting a good date, just not any date. And if I'm in a place where my I'm discouraged and my self-esteem and my confidence is so low, I'm just looking for any date that I'm going to actually give myself more evidence that's going to make me feel like dating is not a good experience. I would rather have you not date or have a no date than have a date that is just there to fill space because that does not give me a positive experience right? And then I would do everything. It would not be just dating apps. How do I engage with people in real life? How do I put myself out there more? How do I join this group? What can I do to build a life that I enjoy that puts me around people as well? Because those are all things I have control over. Okay. Just something to think about. Okay, dolls, on that note, I am going to wrap up. Be kind. Be kind. Be kind to one another. Be quick to love and slow to judge. You have no idea what people are going through. 
before you demonize them, before you write your own story, before you fill in your own narrative on things you think you know, can we hold a place to say, we do not know the whole story. We do not know the whole stories on media. We do not know the whole stories in news. We do not know these individuals and these people. Leave people individuals because then we will have kindness and compassion for individuals. Make sure they have names. Give them names so they are people, that they are people, that they aren't things that are just generalizations that we slap labels on. Something I'm very passionate about. All right, Dalzan, with that, I will sign off. Mm-hmm.